Welcome to Preheated, kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. In London, I'm Stefan Cohn. And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington. Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand-in-hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're continuing our month of birthday and anniversary celebrations with another cake, a cheesecake. This one from a famous baker on my side of the pond. We'll also review the cupcakes that paid tribute to some of our memorable first-year sweets and share some of our listeners' favorite recipes from our premiere season. So put the kettle on and get ready for some sweet talk. Stefan, my house this week is just a baking factory. Oh, that sounds uh, promising. Tantalizing is what it sounds. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is very busy. Um, yesterday was the meeting of my pie guild as we got together and started to plan our 10th and final pie fest in February 2018. And now what, Hang on. What do you mean 10th and final? They're, they're ending the pie fest? We are going to end the pie fest itself. We're going to continue the pie guild, and we're talking about ways in which we can continue our, our pie making activities and help our community. But the pie okay. fest itself, we've decided, has run its course. And so we want to go oh. out with a big, big bang. Yeah, 10 years. That's fantastic. Go yes, out on top. Yes. Um, so I made the lemon drizzle tea cake for that meeting, which I thought turned out well, although um, you saw I had a bit of a panic because the loaf was a bit sunken in the middle, yeah. which you thought might have been from overbeating. Yes, that has happened to me before, and when I have researched it, they've said this is due to overbeating. I think the funny thing about that cake is that I didn't ever feel like I was overbeating it, but... I think the, the instructions just say literally like put everything in the bowl and mix it together. That's what I Whereas did. Whereas I was probably creaming the butter and with the sugar more than normal. No. I, I mean, that's you need, what I can think. Yeah, you need to do it enough so that the butter isn't chunky. So I, yeah, totally. I don't know. You know, it does also that recipe calls for self-rising flour. And I've been mm-hmm. modifying it by adding an extra teaspoon and a half. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe I need to add a little bit more. Or maybe. Maybe I need to go and buy some self-rising flour. Yeah, I haven't had, aside from the kind of disturbing appearance of the, the crater in the middle of my cake, <laughs> the taste to me is still fine. So. Yeah, the taste was good. There, I think yeah. people liked it. I made another item that was a bit of a disappointment. It was from mm-hmm. the King Arthur Flour website, and it was called Pane Bianco, and it mm. was a stuffed bread. It had Parmesan cheese, basil, and sun-dried tomatoes. I used the sun-dried tomatoes that I picked up when I was in London visiting you at Borough Market, so that was kind of fun. And it was pretty, but it just didn't, in my mind, um, pack enough flavor. And it was actually quite good coming warm out of the oven, but serving it later at a brunch, I just don't think... um, it held up as well. And and it might also be that, you know, who needs another slice of bread at brunch? We're already eating so many cakey and eggy things. <laughs> Maybe it was just I need too another much. piece of bread at brunch. So. <laughs> <laughs> Never turned down a piece of bread. Oh. So, the, so it was kind of bland in a way? Yeah, it just kind of didn't jump out at me. I mean, it was it yeah. was pretty. Um it was 
prettier before it was sliced. And then once it was sliced, I just was kind of, eh, ho-hum. So mm-hmm. I don't know that I'll make that one again. The right. um the other things going on in my house this week, so I am going to start my fruitcake with my next-door neighbor. We use his wife's uh, Portuguese family's recipe, and it has yeah. just an enormous amount of dried fruits. So I started my dried fruit quest yesterday, and I was able to get a lot of things. But one thing we like to put in there is dried peaches, and they didn't Ooh. have that at the store that I went to. So I'm going to go to a different store tonight. So tonight I'm doing some shopping. Tuesday night we're going to chop up all of our dried fruits and start soaking them in the brandy. Um, Wednesday, I have a friend uh, who handles a graduation for a particular event in town. She asked me to bake a pie or a cobbler, so I've got that going. Thursday, we're going to make the cake part of the fruit cake. Right. And then and then um, Friday, I think I have an off day. Woo! Uh, Saturday is a bake sale for my daughter's climbing team. And then Sunday, a friend of mine, her daughter is turning seven. And she said her daughter loves nothing more in the world other than baking. And she asked if I could come and do the baking part as sort of the birthday party activity. So, oh my gosh, you're the special guest. I'm the special guest. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm afraid that I might be like that clown that showed up at kids' birthday parties and frightened everyone. No. Um, <laughs> so I think what I'm going to do is I, I mentioned it on our Facebook group, but for those of you not mm-hmm. on Facebook, I do I did just get that new Smitten Kitchen cookbook and there's kind of a template for baking in it it's actually a really interesting way to bake and I like the way she does it where it's got sort of some base recipes like a base vanilla cake recipe a base chocolate cake recipe and then it has multiple different frostings and it has multiple different instructions Mm -hmm. depending on whether you're going to do cupcakes or an eight by eight sheet cake or a three layer layer cake so I'm going to look at all of that and what I'm thinking about doing with seven-year-old girls is doing individual individual little cakes so Cute. you know maybe finding some of those paper cake um uh you know disposable cake pans and so we can make our batter and then they can all put their little individual cakes in the oven then we can work on our frostings and you know the various sprinkles and other decorations and then they can they can decorate their own cakes so that's what I'm going to go for oh that'll be so fun you have a crazy busy week I have a this is baking busy busy like baking week <laughs> yes you do. How well, have, things haven't been quite that intense here. <laughs> um, but I wanted to talk about, um, so recently we went to Scotland. It was the kids' half term. And half term is this wonderful invention. So after seven weeks of school, you get a week off, which I'm, I'm totally, I'm totally out. I like down that. For. And we went up to Scotland for part of it. And I had this wonderful cheesecake. And I posted about it on um, our Facebook page. Facebook page if you're part of that community and if you're not you can just pop over and send us a request and um, it is called a Cranavin gosh I can't remember the name of it now Um, it is a Scottish cheesecake that basically takes all of the components of a Scottish um, oatmeal and has a soft cheese called crowdy that's kind of like ricotta I guess Um, and I would say the texture was much lighter than a, a cheesecake cheesecake Uh, And it has raspberries, oats. This one had whiskey in it. And just by chance, when I got home, I was looking through this great cookbook I had checked out from the library, which is Paul Hollywood's Pies and Puds. And, of course, Paul Hollywood, one of the judges on uh, British Bake Off. And this is a great, great 
cookbook. Andrea, um, you know I have a real fondness for historic recipes, and part of what he's trying to do in this cookbook is tell the tale and bring back historic recipes. So from all over England and the United, greater United Kingdom as well, it's a savory pies as well, so lots of meat pies, uh, you know, things like a quiche, but also um, a, a pasty empanadas. It's all kinds of yummy pies. And then a huge section on sweets. And there is a recipe for this cheesecake. So I'm going to need to try to make that and uh, see what happens. But it was really good. Now, who knows if finding crowdy will be any easier than finding <laughs> cream cheese for me. But one can only hope since I am in the country. That perhaps it will be. I think finding Crowdy will be easier for you. And if not, when I had to look up what Crowdy was, because I had never heard of it, a couple of things that popped up were how to make your own Crowdy at home. So. Oh, so is it like making homemade ricotta, which I have done? I think it was similar. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll have to, I'll have to report back on the history of Crowdy because the name is is fascinating just by itself but I know well yeah busy busy times here in November yeah and one other thing I wanted to throw in before we get too close to the holidays was we've mentioned our eggnog we've mentioned our fruitcake I have a new thing that I've heard about but it's been around forever I just only learned about it it's called I think this is how it's pronounced rumtoff or rumtoff Yes, I've made this. Okay, so it's a, a yes. German classic holiday tradition, and it looks to me like boozy fruit. <laughs> Am I missing anything? Yeah. I mean, what else What else do you need? <laughs> it's kind of like a fruit cake without the cake. Okay. If in that way you think of it. It has all of those components, you okay. know, the dried apricots, dried sultanas, dried prunes, you know, all of these, all of these fruits. I think mine had dried apples. It's also one of those things you could probably put whatever dried fruit you really like. Yeah. And then you marinate it in a whole lot of rum. And then, like just like a fruitcake, you you let it mature you, or or the eggnog. And it was awesome. It was so good. Okay. Uh, we had it over ice cream. We would warm it up and put it over ice cream. Yeah. yeah. It 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 looked like it was something that would go really well over ice cream and mm-hmm. um or I think someone might have just put it over kind of like a sponge cake too, you know, sort of like yeah. like you would put on a cheesecake as well, just sort of your fruit mm-hmm. topping. And I like mm-hmm. that it it seemed like the minimum amount of time you wanted to do it was um, you know, thirty days, six weeks. Mm-hmm. But you could let it go as long as a year. I mean, you could mm-hmm. just let it go and keep on going. So I always like things like that. It's kind of fun to to start little projects. I like having little projects, things that are marinating or fermenting or doing some other form of uh, transformation in my kitchen. So the other nice thing about that was it, it's a good food gift because you just need a kind of a small portion. It's very uh, flavorful. It's it's really strong with the alcohol. And so, and if people aren't aren't kind of are a little unsure about what that is too. I found that just just a small portion, maybe to go over, you know, two scoops of ice cream. That it it, it was great for that too. It's very pretty. Oh, so, that's a great yeah, idea. I loved that. That's mm-hmm. a great idea, especially in a pretty little glass jar or something. I think that would be really nice. Exactly. Oh, have fun with that. Maybe maybe I'll make that again. I really like that. <laughs> Rum tough. Yes. <laughs> well, let's see, Andrea. We had, in honor of our anniversary, November is uh, Preheated's first anniversary. And so you and I thought it would be fun to look back through the archives and each make a cupcake. 
that was reminiscent of something we had made during the year that we both um, or that we really enjoyed. And I'm going to go first. I made a Boston cream pie cupcake, one of my favorite bakes from the year. And in fact, my blue ribbon from May, which was our regional food tour uh, through the USA, my blue ribbon that month was our triple layer Boston cream pie. And so I chose a Boston cream pie cupcake from a blog called Life, Love, and Sugar. And this was a great recipe. I think there's nothing wrong with a bite-sized Boston cream pie. It was it was a lot of work for 12 cupcakes, and uh, that is something to think about. When you're doing a Boston cream pie, you're already doing three individual components. You're doing a sponge cake, you're doing a cooked uh, pastry cream, a custard, and then you're doing a chocolate ganache frosting. So here you have the added uh, steps of hollowing out the cupcake with a delightful sounding implement called a cupcake corer. Do you have this? No. And oddly enough, my cupcake recipe also had a hollowing out. So I just used my grapefruit spoon and sort of did kind of a jagged. But I was thinking to myself as I was doing it, I was like, oh, I wish that I had some version of an apple corer for this cupcake. That would be perfect. it would be just so like neat and clean. And of course, as I'm coring those cupcakes, I'm I'm eating the cake that's coming out well, since what else can you do? <laughs> a cook's treat. Uh, so yeah, so you, you have the additional steps then of coring the cupcake, putting the pastry cream inside and then frosting it. So, you know, it, they were um, really cute, kind of like a homemade Twinkie in that regard mm-hmm. in the best mm-hmm. possible way. Um, the, I had a little bit of issues with the pastry cream here. I needed to add some additional um, cornstarch, or as we say in the UK, corn flour, and boiled it for just a little bit longer until it thickened up, which it did nicely. And you and I have talked in past episodes, uh, we always pass our pastry cream through a sieve, even if the recipe doesn't specify that. This recipe didn't specify that, but I, I went ahead and did that anyway. That's just to get out any of those lumps when you're cooking your, yeah. your pastry cream. And... Um, they cooked up very quickly. It, it made a dozen. That's that's also kind of nice. I don't I don't need I, I didn't need three dozen cupcakes laying around the house. It was just enough for the the folks that I had over that night. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I just love Boston cream pie in any in any iteration. So um, yeah, I would I would say um, check that out. The recipe is twenty four steps long. It looks twenty two steps long. It looks pretty intimidating, but. It is one of those things you can do in stages because you're making three distinctive, um, three distinctive things for this dessert. Okay. So, um, was yeah. it a yeah. was it a big mess when you went to eat it? Like when I when I think of Boston cream pie, like biting into this cupcake layer, did the mm-hmm. filling sort of ooze out, or did it stay? No, and it, it didn't. And I think that's because I didn't overfill the the core okay. that I had made. Okay. You know, all in all, I'd say there was probably. A tablespoon or less of the actual custard in there. I had a lot of custard left over, but if I would have used it all, I can see what you're saying. It would have just gushed everywhere and been a been a mess. Um, but no, yeah. So I okay. had I was eating cake cr- cake scraps and leftover pastry. It was great. I was having a great <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> I just Before I don't know I even why sat I sat down to dessert. Don't know why I mm. wasn't hungry for dinner that night. 
<laughs> no kidding. Yeah, so that was from um, Love, Life, and Sugar. And um, she also has a very pretty rosette on the top of her uh, cupcake with her frosting. Mine were much more rustic looking. So um, if you are, are a fan of that very pretty decorating, go for it. But they look equally pretty and are equally delicious with just a, you know, um, a cake spreader. So, so uh, yeah, I liked them. One of the things I loved I saw on our Facebook page this morning is one of our newest listeners. Her name was Lorraine, and she said that she had made both bagels and I think it was English muffins once, and she described them as humble but delicious. And I said, <laughs> yes, the that is my mantra when it comes to baking. I don't try and recreate those beautiful rosettes and that type of thing. And that is one of the reasons I picked this particular cupcake recipe because I'm never super confident with my um, piping of the frosting. And this recipe has a toasted marshmallow on top. So you put that right oh. on top of your frosting. So if you're not confident in your frosting swirls, you just cover it right up. Uh, the recipe comes from a website I love. It's called Sally's Baking Addiction, and it's marshmallow-filled s'mores cupcakes. It's really funny oh. how similar our, our recipes actually turned out to be um, because I also had four distinct and separate ste steps, uh, steps okay. and sections. So there is a cupcake mixture, which is like making a regular cake mixture, and that is with cocoa powder, so it is a, a chocolate mixture. One nice little note that I learned from making this one, and again, this is probably for anyone who's listening, is going to say, well, duh, Andrea. I can't believe it <laughs> took you almost 50 years to figure that out. But it had in there um, two large eggs at room temperature. And okay. I do keep my eggs in the refrigerator. So I went to make this and I was like, oh, darn it, I didn't pull my eggs out ahead of time. Um, but it had a little footnote on that at room temperature. So I flipped the recipe over and I love a good foot footnote um, when it comes to reading. And it, her little footnote says, room temperature eggs are required for these cupcakes, but to bring eggs to room temperature quickly, put them in a glass of warm water for five minutes, which I just had never thought of doing before. That's right. Yeah. You can do that. Yes. So I yeah. raised Isn't my eggs so nice? to room temperature. I'm so proud of myself. Um, always be learning. Always be learning. Always learning. So that was the cupcake mixture. Um, then there is a marshmallow filling, and I hollowed out the section of my cupcakes using my grapefruit spoon, which just has that serrated edge. And that's a combination of butter and marshmallow cream and vanilla and heavy cream and confectioner sugar. So oh. that goes in the center. And then the frosting is a milk chocolate frosting. So kind of your standard frosting with confectioner sugar, cocoa powder, and um, butter and heavy cream. And then your final topping is some um, graham crackers crushed and a roasted marshmallow on top. Um, so I was thinking I had to use my torch. I forgot that this is not how this works. It's actually much, much easier. You place your 12 marshmallows on your baking sheet and you put them under the broiler um, until the tops turn brown. And of course, I did not even walk away. I, you know, they browned very quickly. And right. I kind of thought to myself, oh, they, they are brown, but they were still... Um, maintaining their marshmallow shape and these are the large size marshmallows so they were brown right. on top but then it was kind of like I thought well these aren't really going to be very pretty on top of a cupcake um, but the directions were to pull them out of the oven and let them sit for five minutes and lo and behold as they sat they sank 
And so oh. now the base was more the size of the cupcake instead of the size of the original marshmallow. And so when you put them on top, they did cover quite nicely. And I thought this recipe was both delicious and beautiful. So I was really pleased mm. with it. Um, mm-hmm. The recipe says it makes 14. Mine made 12. So, um, yeah. you know, I don't know if I maybe overfilled a couple of mine, but I wasn't about to haul out a whole second baking pan just for two cupcakes. Right. Um, right. My other tiny little quibble with the recipe, and this probably has more to do with me than it does with the recipe uh, with, with Sally, the recipe designer, but um, her instructions say that it's 45 minutes prep time and then an hour and five minutes total time. I found this literally took me two hours from start to finish. I remember I started it at 5 p.m. and I finished at 7 p.m. So maybe I'm a bit slower than other people are. I'm not sure about that. But, you know, you you bake your cupcakes for, first. And while those are baking, I moved right into making my filling and my frosting. And, right. you know, once the cupcakes come out, you do need those to cool a little bit. So I, I wasn't counting the cooling time per se, but um, I just felt like, you know, it really just doing all the four different steps ended up taking me about a solid two hours. But I do think it was worth it. They were very good. And my daughter absolutely loved them. Um, the people that I took them uh, to, I think, really enjoyed them. I did have one person say, oh, these are really sweet. And one thing I was thinking to myself, if you wanted to save yourself some time, you could cut out the marshmallow filling step. Because I still think you're recreating the s'more with the chocolate cupcake, the graham cracker crumbs, the chocolate frosting, and then the roasted marshmallow on top. Right, right. Yeah. You're just getting that extra hit of the marshmallow in the middle. In the middle. And that did, you know, it had both the marshmallow cream and a lot of confectioner sugar. So that is a lot of sweetness right there in the middle. So that's something, if if you want to save some time and maybe make them a little less sweet, uh, think about cutting out that marshmallow cream in the middle. Otherwise, I definitely give the S'mores Cupcake from Sally's Baking Edition two thumbs up. Oh, that's so great. Two awesome cupcakes to help us celebrate this month. Yes. Oh, that's that's great. Well, speaking of cakes, we are going to introduce another cake for our birthday month. Uh, listeners will know that I've had a challenging time with cheesecakes here in the UK. They just don't have a block style cream cheese that we do available in this in the US. And so we thought, well, instead of continuing to try to fight this, let's make a UK um, cheesecake and and embrace embrace this. So we are going to do Mary Berry's American Baked Cheesecake, and it does call for what they call full fat soft cheese. But this is going to be more like a whipped uh, cream cheese. Andrea, do you know what you're going to do? Are you going to go with the block style? Or are you going to try to to modify that? What, uh, what's your thinking? Um, well, I've got two options. One thing is I thought if I don't have a lot of time, I'll buy the block style and just make sure I soften it to room temperature and then whip it well. And I think that'll be similar to what you have. The other thing I thought about doing, and I've done this one other time before and it worked out really well, is I made my own ricotta and I used yes. it in a cheesecake. And so I thought I might do that, but that you know that's going to require some planning <laughs> on my part. So we'll have to see if I have time for right. that. Right, so this has a base of digest chocolate digestive biscuits. You should be able to find those. I know we've talked in the past about international food at Fred Meyer, which is a Kroger chain in Washington State. Uh, also, um, 
uh, cost world market can be world yeah. market. Yes, can be a good place as well. I'm sure you could find these online. They are a thin uh, cookie, almost like a graham cracker texture, and then a, with a, a thin layer of chocolate. So that's going to be the base of your cheesecake. You've got your kind of regular cheesecake uh, players here. You've got eggs. You've got the cream cheese. I love the addition of lightly whipped double cream into the cheesecake mix. I've never seen that. Is double cream for me heavy whipping cream? Heavy whipping cream. Okay. That's right. That's right. And she also says you put this in a push pan. She means, I believe, a springform pan, which uh, you'd have a new one. uh, I do. Like a couple episodes ago. That's right. Yes. Um, Yes. Yeah, and so then, you know, you're baking this, and then there's a sour cream and berry topping. Uh, berries really kind of aren't at their best right now. I might investigate uh, what to do with a topping there. Maybe use some frozen berries or see what looks really good still um, as far as fresh fruit goes. Maybe some mango. Uh, we're still getting really good mango here in the U.K., um, also really late season raspberries, believe it or not, are still coming into the markets here. So if only I had started my room toff a few months ago, I could have the, right? <laughs> the boozy fruit topping. The boozy fruit. <laughs> um, so that, we will put that link uh, up on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, and also on our Facebook and Pinterest pages. And we hope you bake some American-style cheesecake along with us and with Mary Berry. We are coming up on our first year anniversary. We've talked quite a bit about this. We are celebrating. And so one of the things we did was ask our listeners about some of their favorites from our first year. Now, we know that some of our listeners don't bake, but they like hearing us talking about baking. So it was interesting to me that some of the favorites aren't even necessarily something that someone made, but just something that they enjoyed hearing about or something that's on their to-be-baked list. So, Stefan, what were some of the things that grabbed you and we heard from our listeners about? Well, there weren't really any surprises on this list. I thought that was really intriguing. They were things that had grabbed people throughout the year, and we had heard heard this before, too. Um, so the chocolate chest pie from episode 16 mm-hmm. was a huge hit. Uh, both Carolyn in Chicago and Rebecca, they were two people who had said that was that was just one I really enjoyed listening to you guys talk about. Uh, Carolyn is uh, had posted – she and her son, her small, young son, had made that chocolate chess pie, and that was a real fun one. Um, for folks who haven't caught that episode, of course, you can always go back and download all of our available episodes. Um, but it is a single pastry pie crust with a chocolate filling that really resembles a brownie. In fact, it's sometimes called a brownie pie. It comes together so quickly – it's one of those wonderful fast pies, which is kind of an oxymoron, but it's true. And then you serve it with some whipping cream. And it was a big hit with both you, both of us and, and also our listeners. So that was fun to see that one, give it, given a shout out. Yeah. Um, near and dear to your heart from episode 30, Whitney had said the roasted strawberry buttermilk ice cream, which was yeah. one of the best things we made this year back in June. Yeah, that yes. was definitely one of my favorites as well. It's it's funny, though, how when I hear the word roasted strawberry ice cream this time of year, it just doesn't grab me the way it did back in June. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> There's a reason June is ice cream month, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Um, 
And then lots of people said, you know, I haven't made this yet, but I want to make this. And, you know, funny because we're right back here where we started with talking about eggnog and fruitcake. And uh, Lauren had said, that's exactly what I'm looking for. I didn't get to do it the first time around with you guys, but, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to doing that again this fall and winter baking season. So that's just also a really good reminder that all of our archives are on preheatedpodcast.com. So you can search by episode and go back through and, and uh, you know, we'd like to think that what we've talked about has stood the test of time so you can always go you know listen to us from a year ago as well yeah feel free to catch up sometimes if you've got a long road trip that's where a friend of mine told me recently that she went back and listened to the shows and that kind of kept her amused while she was on the road well the timer's buzzed and we've got to get to the dishes next week we're blowing out the preheated candle on our official first anniversary show and we'll each share our favorite birthday cake Hint, lots of chocolate will be involved. We'll review our cheesecake and award our coveted first year blue ribbon to the recipe we each deemed most delicious during our first year on air. Remember, you can find us and our featured recipes on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, on Facebook and Pinterest, or you can download us on Google and Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you subscribe to the show and gave us a five-star review, both of which will help others find us. Until next time, thanks for listening and sweet dreams. Preheated is written, performed, and edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with 24th Floor Productions.